world, China's economy is slowing. The latest GDP numbers confirm that, and they'll struggle to reach their 5% growth target this year. So not great news for the Aussie dollar. Something else that could keep the Aussie dollar lower today is the RBA minutes. If they suggest the RBA is prepared to wait longer, or maybe not even lift rates again. And CPI for Canada today. It's Tuesday, the 18th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, bond yields are falling again today, but not by much. Down three for 10-year treasuries, a slightly smaller fall at the front end. Aussie 10-year yields down to 3.98% yesterday, about one basis point lower than that on futures overnight. So see what I mean? Just small moves, but they are heading down. A small fall in the US dollar as well. No big currency moves really, though. The euro is up 0.1%. The Aussie, one of the bigger moves, is actually down a quarter percent, down to 68.2 US cents. And US equities are looking okay, a 0.9% rise in the Nasdaq. 0.4% for the S&P 500 and 0.3% for the Dow, but shares are down in Europe, a 1% drop in the Euro stocks 50, a 1.1% drop in the CAC Chiron. But back in the United States, one of the winners was Activision Blizzard. Their shares are up 3.5% because the UK regulator that was blocking that acquisition by Microsoft of this gaming provider has been in productive talks. So that go ahead, which is a massive uh, sum involved in that, that might actually go ahead. And fairly sharp fall in oil, 1.7% off WTI and Brent. Brent now below 78.50 a barrel. So it's been a fairly quiet session on markets. Why? Because, well, not a lot going on, although it's worth talking about China's GDP. First of all, let's do that with Rodrigo Catrill from NAB in Sydney. And I'm not sure what this shows, uh, Rodrigo, because the Q1Q growth for Japan, uh, for China was 0.8%, which is better than the half percent growth forecast. But year on year, is 6.3%, which is less than the forecast 7.3% from the Reuters survey of economists. So, I mean, when we've got more time, perhaps you can explain to me how you can have a quarter that can be better than expected, but an annual figure that is less than expected. But anyway, the upshot is, well, it's not as bad as it could have been, but Q on Q, let's look at that and take that as the real read. That's gone down from 2.1% in Q1 down to 0.8% in Q2. So the one conclusion we can draw is the recovery is very slow in China and it's getting slower, it seems. Uh, Morning, Phil. Yes. Um, To answer the first bit of your question, um, the year-on-year decline is really a a reflection of downward revisions to previous quarters. Um, So China didn't grow as strongly, you know, in Q3 last year and Q1 uh, this year. Um, um, So, um, but but overall, the the main takeaway here is that um, the Chinese recovery started really well uh, and then it has shown a significant sort of declines in, in particular in the last quarter. Um, and then when you look at the, the details of, of um, the activity readings for June, um, as you briefly mentioned, um, there's a clear kind of indication here that the consumer and the private investor uh, are very, very shy and very cautious in terms of what's going on. In particular, the retail sales figures, which on the year-on-year number were quite big from the previous, you know, um, rebound, if you like. Uh, so they declined from 12.7 to 3.1. So um, that's a significant decline in terms of um, the consumer activity. And, and when you look at, like, for instance, the issues like savings ratio, um, unlike what we've seen in, in other parts of the world when, when the reopening happened, um, the consumer came out, you know, very willing to spend, particularly on the services side. Um, but in China, what we've seen is that the, uh, the, the consumers actually retain its savings and it's not using those savings as much as others have used uh, when they reopen. So there's a clear sign here that the animal spirit in, in China 
is is becoming very subdued um, with the private investor as well also not investing um, so reflecting the concerns over the growth outlook um, and, and of course the, the property market is, is a big part of all of this you know in, in China the consumer um, or has been treating the, the housing market as a source of you know investment for for the family and so on and those declines and uncertainty around the housing market uh, is again another sort of issue that you know hinders the, the appetite to, to spend and, and invest. Yeah, well, it's the wealth effect, isn't it? People don't feel as yeah, well off if they right. see property coming down. And so, if they're if it's on the slide now, because that means their growth for the first two quarters is at five percent, which is which is what China had forecast for this year. That's what they said as their target. But if things are slowing and Q three slows even further, then obviously they're not going to meet that. Yes, so that's that's one of the big reasons why many, including ourselves, believe that uh, China will uh, step up its stimulus measures. Um, mm. You know, we talked about it yesterday. That particularly since President Xi has, you know, re, you know, took on the, the new term, he's gained a lot of more power. And, and when it comes to the economy, uh, this Politburo meeting that he chairs tends to be the big one in terms of big decisions and, and commitment to spending. Um, that meeting is scheduled to happen later in the month. Um, and the expectations are that once he signs it off, then we're going to have some news, concrete news in terms of what what China plans to do. Um, but it's worth highlighting here that uh, there are two, if you like, um, concerns. One, obviously, the near-term slowdown, but two, or the medium-term, which is one of the big objectives for China, is, is this rebalancing, so away from the construction sector uh, and that dependency, if you like, um, um, and more towards sort of new new industries such as robotics, electric vehicles, and so on. So when we talk about investment, uh, we, we don't think that um, as much as Beijing will should deliver some stimulus, uh, fiscal stimulus and spending, um, it will be kind of focused towards those new uh, sectors and industries and a little bit of support towards the, the housing market and construction um, to, in particular, make sure that all those committed uh, properties uh, and constructions will be delivered, but not necessarily to spare a new sort of round of, um, you know, construction uh, right. like, like what we've seen right. in the past. Because actually 5% growth, if they can hit that 5% growth but through, through that targeted uh, fiscal measure that you talk about, I mean, that's not actually that far off where they were. I mean, the, the economy, the, the level of growth was slowing pre-COVID. I mean, they weren't far off getting down to 5%, were they, in 2019? No, no. I mean, I mean if you actually plot the, the GDP trend year and year over the last 10, 20 years, you, you can see it's a, it's a downward path, which is kind of consistent mm. with what happens to an economy you know, that starts growing and developing, and uh, inevitably your, your growth rate also exactly. slows down. It has um, to slow, yeah, of yeah. Yeah, so um, so it's all it's all natural, but at the same time, uh, the pace of decline is being quite significant, and and relative to other economies when they reopen, it's also quite significant, particularly how the consumer and the private sectors is behaving. Well, Janet Yellen says, you know, it's obviously a concern about those China numbers, but it's not going to influence the U.S. too much. Uh, the U.S. certainly won't go into recession, she says, because the labor force is strong. And prime-aged workers are coming back into the workforce. So that's all good. I love the definition, prime-aged. <laughs> I am literally past my prime. I looked it up by a decade, which doesn't make me feel too good. Uh, but And I'm still working. So there we are. It can be done. Good on me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Janet Yellen, um, sort of like, yeah, well, I mean, just, I guess, just talking up the U.S. In a little bit. Yes. And, I mean, one criticism will be that, you know, the labor market has always been a lagging indicator of what's going on in the economy. So, 
you know, to, to reflect the strength of the labor market. Maybe um, it doesn't look into what's actually going on or what's coming. Um, but but it's, it's actually fair to say that, you know, uh, that has been one of the themes this year of how resilient and, and robust uh, the, the U.S. economy has been. Uh, and in particular, how the consumer has continued to show that resilience as well. So, sure, the labor market being fully employed and, and also with that, that appetite to consume, which is very characteristic of the U.S. economy, is very much evident at mm. the moment. And uh, by the way, Janet Yellen apparently did have a really good time while she was in China. If you believe uh, some of the press, uh, she particularly enjoyed the mushrooms. I don't, I don't, know, whether, <laughs> I don't know whether there's any truth in this. Uh, she probably didn't know what she was ordering, but <laughs> apparently uh, she enjoyed them very much, perhaps more than she should. She uh, was very happy afterwards. Yeah, she was. She was a, she was a bit taller than she <laughs> normally is. Uh, look, uh, bond yields uh, still going lower. Ten-year Treasuries down to three point eight percent. That's quite a bit down from you know four percent where we were earlier in the month. But obviously, still well up on where we were in April and May. Uh, two years at four point seven percent. But of course, go back a few months and they were below four percent. So. I mean, we're not really seeing. I mean, what does that tell us? I mean, it tells us there's not really any big readjustment on on expectations for Fed moves, doesn't it? Uh, no. It, I mean, to me, the highlight is that when you look at it, it's it's kind of been the moves have been led by the belly of the curve. So again, it, it's it's that issue around hmm. not so much what the Fed is going to do over the coming months, but really what it plans to do over 2024 and the impact it has on that sort of terminal rate. Um, and that that move lower is kind of reversing that that move up that we had, that we had yesterday. So um, the market is still kind of toying with ideas like, well, it, the Fed is probably more likely than not going to be cutting next year. But the question is, how aggressive will they be? Um, and the slowdown in China, which also, by the way, um, it's also came and reaffirmed this view of this deflationary concern with the deflator account printing negative. Um, and you remember that the CPI also printed at zero um, uh, uh, last week. So um, this deflationary story, which obviously is a, is a global issue as well, and, and China in exporting that, those lower prices, um, plays into the view that there will be less inflationary pressures elsewhere, including the US. So, so that slowdown in China is, has two, two, two issues. One, the activity and the price effect and, and that's certainly playing into those expectations for the Fed as well. Right but then on the other side we've got uh, Russia announcing that it's not going to renew the deal that enables Ukraine to uh, export wheat by sea uh, and yet um, no sustained move up in wheat prices uh, as a result of that they did go up a bit but they went, went down again maybe that's just because they are already crazy high and uh, they just haven't got crazy higher. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, isn't it? It is. I think that obviously it's probably a little bit early as well to, to make huge conclusions. I think that prices may continue to move over coming days. I think that the, the market is trying to ascertain if this is just a small temporary halt to, to the deal. Um, Turkey is apparently working really hard to see what, what, what they can do. Because if you remember, they were heavily involved in in making the deal. Um, and um, uh, it's also worth highlighting that this is really, uh, the, most of the, this wheat and, and other uh, agri products go to developing countries. So it is, it is yeah, a big in deal. Africa. Where, where, where in Africa, where Russia has a lot of yes. influence. Yeah, and, and, you know, and probably won't want to upset that too much. So maybe they will, you know, revert back on this. Yeah, so, so so the moment there's a sense of maybe they're trying to do a little bit of leverage. Um, Russia has been complaining that part of this deal as well has been, you know, that Russia should be allowed to export some of their fertilizers and so on. Uh, so they've been complaining that that part of the deal hasn't been fair to them. 
So maybe there's a hope there that they, 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 they'll find a, a way of resolving this issue. Uh, but certainly if, if it was to be implemented, it, it, will, it does suggest there will be um, increasing price pressures on food, particularly for developing countries. So we had a sprinkling of data overnight, didn't we? We had the New Zealand Performance of Services Index that eased a little from 53.3 to 50.1. Uh, but US manufacturing, the Empire State Manufacturing Index was expected to fall uh, by 4.3%, but it's actually up 1.1%. So we can add that to the list of soft landing indicators that we've been seeing lately, perhaps. Yes, and and, and that sort of resilience, if you like, of, of the, the US economy. Um, <clears throat> saying that the, the Empire Manufacturing, uh, along with other, other regional uh, um, surveys, tend to be quite volatile. Um, yeah, but um, over but overall, it's certainly stabilizing, which is good news. And also, some of the, those price numbers uh, also declined, which again, is, is very encouraging for that narrative in terms of concerns around inflation in the US. Um, and for the PSI in, in New Zealand, if anything, it just confirms that now we have the services and manufacturing sector slowing significantly in, in New Zealand. Um, and place to the view that we might, you know, get again a bit of a slowdown in terms of price pressures, which will be the news for tomorrow when we get that CPI number. Right. Okay. And we get the CPI number for uh, Canada. Before that, uh, that's expected to get down to three percent as the headline rate. That's a lot less than seven percent, isn't it? Or if you take, take the latest monthly number for Australia, what was that? Five point six percent. They're down to three percent. So what? What is it that Canada's got right? They went high and they went early. Yes, but remember that for central banks, it's not the headline; it's the core reading that matters um, yeah. and those yeah. uh, uh, are still a little bit high um, uh, but they are expected to come down uh, so um, <clears throat> so there's two core measures the trim and the median and they're expected to come down between one or two uh, tenths uh, but still on the 3.8 3.9 level so uh, or 3.6 so still above three percent and and hence why they're the Bank of Canada is still hawkish and, and threatening to, to hike more if they don't see further declines in, in those right. prices. Uh, yeah. US retail sales today, that's expected to pick up a little. Industrial production may stop its slide and the NHHB housing market indexed 55 last time. Maybe that'll rise a little bit. Uh, but I mean, that says it all really, doesn't it? You know, again, soft landing, steady she goes for the United States, unless these numbers surprise us. Yes. So the, the, the retail sale number, particularly the core reading or ex-order on gas, uh, again, showing that resilience expected to be unchanged at 0.4. Um, if it was to come out stronger, I think that, that that will raise some concerns that, you know, we will still have sort of that demand-driven inflation from, from the consumers. So um, I think that that will be an important number uh, to, to watch for. And the RBA minutes this morning. Uh, so they're out for the 4th of July meeting when, of course, uh, the RBA kept rates on hold at 4.1%. The question is... I mean, markets are sort of expecting a hike in August, but maybe they'll pause again. Uh, I mean, will these minutes help draw a conclusion on that? In other words, are they? Are we looking? Are they going to be a hawkish minutes, or are they going to be a dovish minutes? Uh, and you know, could that give us any evidence? <laughs> or, as to, or a little bit of both? Oh, a little bit of both, exactly. Something for everyone. Yes. Is it going to tell us? Is it going to give us any hints about what they're going to do next? That's what we want to know. Well, uh, personally, I find the minutes sometimes a bit confusing because I. I you know, there's always something for everyone in them. Um, but, uh, you know, the governor made, made that speech um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, 10 days ago, and and he did actually sound a lot more concerned around the outlook for the economy, um, which sort of shifted a little bit away from their previous hawkish message. And um, so I think there will be a focus on that, whether there's still 
a more balanced concern, if you like, about inflation, but also slowdown of the economy, uh, or whether the emphasis is still on, 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 you know, the issues around inflation, which if you remember where, you know, services uh, inflation around the globe being elevated, house prices, um, and also the resilience of the labor market. So, um, uh, in terms of house prices, we did see a bit of signs of maybe slowdown in terms of those uh, prices recently. So maybe there's, there's more room for, for the RBA to, to be patient. Uh, but certainly in terms of the message coming from Governor Lowe the last time, um, you know, the, the idea is that the RBA is willing to be a bit more patient so in terms of the, waiting to okay, see if they what are, the data if, does. And if also they are, um, yeah, the if they are Okay, the forecast as well. So if they are more... Um, if, if they're more dovish and the forecasts are coming in softer, what does that do for the Aussie dollar? Because, of course, you know, we've been struggling to get over 69. That, that would that would push it down yeah. in the other direction, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, that's, that's the story of the Aussie, right? So we the Aussie goes up with, yeah. because of the dollar being weaker uh, and because uh, risk sentiment is being very buoyant, um, but it's been kind of hindered, if you like, from that ability to break higher because of China in particular. Uh, and also because relative to other central banks, the, the RBA has been... Uh, more willing to wait and, and, and not being as aggressive. Um, so so that, that that's keeping it restrained. Uh, we think that the RBA, uh, or rather that the data will force the RBA to, to hike again a couple of times. Uh, it may not happen in July. Uh, much will depend on that CPI print that we get uh, next week. Uh, but certainly when we look ahead, we, we think inflation inflationary pressures will continue to rise in Q3. And that will certainly uh, force the hand of the RBA. Then the question is whether the RBA has that in the forecast. And therefore, the argument will be, well, if you know it's going to happen, why are you going to wait for Q3? You may as well just get it, get it over and get it done now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Well, uh, earnings season, of course, uh, lots of that today. Results for Tesla, Netflix, uh, Netflix IBM, Goldman Sachs, US Bancor, United Airlines, Alcoa. Uh, they're all reporting their earnings today, so we'll keep an eye on all of that as well. But, you know, that is enough, Rodrigo, for this week. Uh, we've had a double helping. <laughs> That's more than anyone can take. Uh, so we'll we'll talk to you whenever whenever next, perhaps next week, Rodrigo. <laughs> Thanks I think for I'm on today. next Monday, yes. All um, right, okay. So I'll, we'll talk then. Okay, see Thanks, you then. Phil. Cheers. Cheers. And that's it. That's the uh, NAB morning call for today. The original and the best. Don't be fooled by imposters. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'm back again tomorrow morning. See you then.